0: Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter four. Jonah four. Um, if you ha- ever have a, a senior in high school, you this time of year will be the first layer of s- potential stress and anxiety. Okay the 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 fall semester of, of your senior year because by now you will have visited multiple colleges Lord willing if that's the path that you want to take you will have um, taken your ACT or SAT probably for the last time and you're just going to have to live with whatever score it is that you turned in uh, by the, the best they take the best no matter when you took it so but you're done you know you're you're having to live with it at this at this point um, and. And you're at the point now where you're beginning to get admission letters or or denial or rejection letters, um, and and then then by by Thanksgiving Christmas you start to learn okay how much how did I earn any scholarship opportunity like with my with my thing so that's that's the week that we're in as a family it, we're kind of like it's like that first like we're rounding the third or fourth part of the track you know and um, and it has me. Um, Partly because I'm 46, and partly because of where we are in our circumstances, it has me ta- thinking about my my college experience. I would like to do it again. I had a lot of regrets. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever looked back at that time, but I was talking with my brother-in-law over the holidays th- this over our travels this week in his house, and he was like, "Man, we really really messed that one up, didn't we? Like, we we just what an opportunity that we just could have done, we just could have done better." And one of the reasons why it didn't didn't go—I mean, it was fine. Like I loved college. I just loved it for the wrong reasons, um, or maybe some of them were okay. But for the most part, there just were there could have been better better reasons. But one of the things that shocked me when I got to college, um, which was a, a smaller school, but in a, in a bigger city, and it was a, a liberal arts kind of kind of school of about three thousand students. But three thousand students was about as big as my hometown. And one of the things that shocked me when I got to school was just. How bad I was at things that growing up in Cleveland, Mississippi, I thought I was really good at. Okay. So so here's here's a little note to self. Just because your music minister in your hometown, of your first Baptist hometown church, asked you to sing a solo every Sunday night to fill his responsibilities of providing a solo every Sunday night in the Sunday night worship service doesn't mean that you are a good soloist. Just a little, just a little hint from your Uncle Rob. Um, just because you can, um, you can beat everybody in tennis in Cleveland, Mississippi doesn't mean that you can make a Division 1A tennis scholarship t- team. Just, I don't know if you knew that or not. But I learned that very quickly, that I thought I wanted to major in music and be a worship minister. But then I took a music class and met people who actually knew music and realized I'm really not what I think I am. Um, I thought that I wanted to play tennis. And as far as the state of Mississippi goes, I was pretty good. But when I got to a place where you get paid to go play tennis at college... I realized just how bad I was. You see, I didn't realize how bad I was until I had someone to draw a very sharp contrast against me. Does that make sense? There's, there's a sense in which we're going to do that today here in, in Jonah 4 as we wrap up this, this story before I jump into to more of an Advent series. You and I today... I hope, can gain a better understanding about the vastness and the the beyond measure aspect of God's mercy, of God's compassion by drawing a contrast between the Lord and Jonah, who even though he has gone out and done the thing that God has asked him to do, in the level of repentance coming out of Jonah 2, we're going to find out here in Jonah 4 that maybe Jonah's got a long way to go. He's, he's growing, but he is not like the Lord that he has preached. And we need the Lord. We need the Lord to be truly compassionate and merciful people. Would you stand with me? We're going to read Jonah chapter 4 together. Jonah chapter 4, the entire chapter. Jonah was coming off of his sermon at Nineveh and seeing their repentance. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious And compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord asked, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and he found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and he sat in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. And as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head, so much so that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, "'It's better for me to die than to live.'" Then God asked Jonah, "'Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?' "'Yes, it's right,' he replied. "'I'm angry enough to die.'" So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be be seated. So there's really just, you know, one primary point to this this passage. And it's to show a contrast between the character of God and the character of Jonah. And and for us to learn from that that contrast. Um, Look at, at, so we're just going to... Go right through, verse by verse, and just kind of tick off a few things. It's not as structured of a sermon in that respect. I want you to just see it in the flow of the story. So verse 1, Jonah was greatly displeased. Um, It, meaning, uh, what was he greatly displeased about? He's displeased about Nineveh. He's displeased about their repentance. He's displeased about the fact that God showed mercy to them, that God showed compassion to them, and that God showed forgiveness to them. Now, here's the interesting thing, because we just talked about this in chapter 3. Given that forgiveness had qualified Jonah, that it had equipped Jonah to preach forgiveness, and and to see it actually come to fruition in the Ninevites, you would think, right, that Jonah would have joy for this. But he doesn't. I personally find it far easier to judge someone for their sin rather than forgive them for it. And that's what Jonah feels in this moment. It's just a whole lot easier to say, well, you didn't add up. You just couldn't, you just couldn't come around, could you? It's a good thing I'm not like you. I'm, I'm better. I am better than you. Than it is to say, well, I'm glad Jesus lived the way that you're not living. <laughs> and because he did, and because he paid the price for it, you and I are, were good. I forgive you. Jonah couldn't do that. He just found it far easier to judge the Ninevites than he did to forgive them. And the sins of the Ninevites were very easy to judge. They're vicious people. They've done a lot of permanent damage to multiple cultures all over the world. And so it's it's, it's understandable. Like I'm not even making excuses for Jonah. I'm not. I'm just I want you to understand where he's coming from. If you If you'd been there, you'd understand. It just makes sense that that Jonah could go, how could you, God, so easily forgive them? How could God let the people of the Ninevites off the hook with his wrath? This greatly displeased Jonah. It's, It's easy to not forgive. It's easy to swing the sword than it is to hold back and just forgive, and let justice be paid in some other way that we don't control. So I I get it. I get it. So, verse 2, Jonah prayed, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are, and this is why, Similar to the passage in Exodus that we looked at recently, doesn't it? That's why I know that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And There are two things I want you to see here. First is Jonah knows God. He understands rightly the nature of God. He knew that God was slow to anger. He knew that God was rich in faithful love. He knew that God was slow to anger, relenting from sending disaster. But here's the other thing that's important. Having a correct knowledge of who God is, even personally experiencing it for yourself, even preaching that to others doesn't mean that we always share the same joy as God does in being who He is. Jonah knew full well who God is, but he does not have the same joy in who God is, so he doesn't share in God's joy here. Jonah shares in a different kind of joy. Won't you see the contrast? Do you see what it is in the text that Jonah really cherishes? What does he really cherish coming out of verse 2? And the answer is, when I was still in my own country. The thing that Jonah cherishes in this part, on this end of the journey, is the same that he cherished in the very beginning part of his journey it's the same thing that kept him from wanting to leave in the first place. God did, excuse me, Jonah did not delight in God's compassion for people who were not like him. Jonah took delight in God's compassion for people who were like him. Now in Jonah's case, this is nationalism. I'm going to Boy, I'm gonna step on a lot of toes this morning. I just wanted to. Fortunately, there's only 40 or so in the room. 80 in the room, right? For those of you watching online, I'm gonna punch you in the mouth through the Facebook thing, okay? This is nationalism, and it maybe is even ethnic. And the same could be true for us, but it could be other things as well. What a terrible sin it is. When by an attitude or an action, we pull back from people who are richer or poorer than us. We pull back from people who are more educated or less educated than us. That we pull back from people who are uh, from the north or the east or the west and not the south. If we are only willing to be compassionate toward people who are like us, Is that really a picture of the gospel? I was in the gym yesterday. Hurt my back. I walked two miles, went over to the bench press, and hurt my back. On my way to the bench press, I nearly got run over by a gentleman who is there all the time. And I don't know the way I mean like I was, had my headphones in, and I was kind of like in this other world, you know. I was walking, and I wasn't really paying attention where I was walking, and I almost bumped into this guy, which now Jay is with COVID in the gym, and almost bumping into somebody is like paramount to getting a disease. <laughs> and uh, he's, man, he's just, he could break me in half. I mean, he's a big, burly guy, and everybody in the gym seems to love him. He kind of, he's the guy, he knows everybody. And he's wearing a shirt that said, that mask you're wearing isn't helping you any more than President Biden is helping you. And he had a ball cap on that said, let's go and you can you know, know what male name is on the top. I have also heard this guy have many conversations in the gym and he talks about the Lord a lot. But unfortunately, you must be a conservative Republican who believes you shouldn't wear a mask in order to be in a relationship with this guy. He's Jonah. He only has mercy on people who think and believe just like he thinks and believes. I was pastoring a church in South Carolina, and, and and there are lots of little churches. Murfreesboro is not unlike this, but there are lots of little churches, right? And they, many of them, seem to exist based on their affinity for some nuance uh, that's tied to a very you know, non-central tenet of belief. And one of the churches has a side. It's still there. I, it's still there. I went to Google, and I, I saw it. When you do the drive-by view of Google, you can still read the sign. It's like such and such Baptist church, pre-millennial, King James only, and it had this long list of things. And then at the very bottom, it said, everyone welcome. <laughs> no, you're not, unless you're also all of these things, which, by the way, are secondary and tertiary to the gospel. Jonah did not delight in God's compassion for people who weren't like Jonah. This is terrifying. Because we... You understand that we were Ninevites. And yet Jesus, the Lord, came to get us. What was Jesus accused of? Time and time again, fellowshipping with tax collectors and sinners. Blame it on me, man. May the Lord be able to say the same thing. Maybe the world say, I mean, that guy, he hangs out. That's a church who loves tax collectors and sinners, people who are not like them. Look at verses 3 through 4. Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord asked, is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry? Jonah is expressing a desire to, to be re- removed from the whole scenario. Is it really you know better for me to die is an expression, right? Uh, it is in the 1980s, my mother bought Calgon soap and poured it into her bathtub. Because Calgon promised to remove her from all of her anxieties and stresses, right? Southwest does the same thing. Need to get away? Want to get away? Right? That is what Jonah is expressing here. Jonah's people, the Israelites, had not repented for 150 years, yet in one day, one day three days, the Ninevites come around. And God seems to be moving, and from Jonah's perspective, the center of his work, away from the Jewish world and into the Gentile world. And Jonah wanted no part of it. Remember, he's all about his own people. And God's response is so compassionate and so... It's not gentle, but it's compassionate, it's poignant... He challenges Jonah's thinking. He essentially says to Jonah, how's all this bitterness and anger really working out for you? As I'm showing my compassion to a group of people who are not like you and you're getting all stewy and angry and over about it, how's that working for you? So God set about to teach Jonah a lesson here about his disposition toward others who are not like him. And he does so by contrasting Jonah with himself. Jonah, you need to be more like me. I'm the one who is sovereign and loving and gracious. I am the Lord. You are behaving opposite of the Lord. Let me illustrate this for you, Jonah. Look at verses 5 through 11. Jonah left the city found a place east of it, made himself a shelter there, sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly displeased with the plant. And when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. And as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that... He almost fainted and he wanted to die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right. Jonah replied, I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, well, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and it did not grow. It appeared in a night, perished in a night. But may I not care about this great city of Nineveh, which is more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish their right from their left as well as their many Animals. See, Jonah, the Lord is drawing a contrast between himself and Jonah. The Lord is driving home Jonah's inappropriate expression of anger and hurt and bitterness. The the Lord is admonishing Jonah for, uh, here's the way this is working. He says, Jonah, you had compassion for which you did nothing. You did not cultivate it. You did not encourage it to grow. And yet you used it to express your anger. You know, Because of this withering of an inanimate plant whose life is measured by a day, you're telling me you want to die. But you, you simply had no right to make any claim on this plant. It, this plant was a gift by me to you. And yet you make a claim on it and, and, and you... Um, and you have this inappropriate expression of anger and frustration. Now I want to draw a contrast here for you, Jonah. A contrast between your anger over the death of a plant and my delight and Nineveh's repentance. Here's how it works. Just as Jonah's provision of the plant was the shade of this vine that he did not deserve. He did not deserve the shade that this plant gave him. The Ninevites' provision was a deliverance that they did not deserve based on their repentance that they did not fully understand. God's wish for His creation is salvation and not destruction, and He will work to see that that salvation is accomplished if there's a willingness on the part of creation to accept it. And the Ninevites, there wasn't. and is something that you and I need to celebrate and demonstrate and, and partake in. So there's, there's a tendency in the church. It's normal. It's, it, it's normal. I'm not, again, I'm not excusing it. I'm explaining it. And there is a difference. Yes, sir. There is a tendency in, hum, in human culture, and therefore it finds itself expressing itself in the church. It, it goes like this. Birds of a feather flock together. You know this, right? We, we have a tendency um, to surround ourselves with people who think like us, talk like us, act like us, have the same convictions as us. Um, And um, there's a a sense in which birds of a feather will will flock together. It's human nature. It's sociological fact. It's just, it it is the way that things tend to go. And certainly when it comes to a church, there are convictions that we express and agree to believe and affect. And, and share affinity over. And if you're going to be a part of this church, there are certain minimal requirements that we're going to have. We call, we'll call we call them our mere Christianity. Okay. But country of origin, born in the northwest or northeast or the south, those kinds of things aren't things that we make Necessary to be a part of the church, right? So, um, and, and God is working in a global scale. So, what happens is we, we surround ourselves with people who think like us and act like us and are like us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then we make secondary and tertiary things. That, those things that we also all have to agree upon. Not just the main things, but these deeper level things. Then what you find is, you know what you can do? You can go online and you can find all kinds of people who agree with you and are very passionate about those secondary and tertiary things. And you just find yourself in an echo chamber reinforcing all of the things that you believe and you find all these other people, and you just talk about it and talk about it, and it reinforces this, and it makes a secondary thing and a tertiary thing as important as a primary thing. See that? Here's how that works again. Not only that, but you have an echo chamber for that thing, but then you've also got an echo chamber for this thing, and you've got a separate echo chamber for this thing, and you've got a separate echo for this thing, and before you know it, you have, this, you have all of these echo chambers Running, and you can live a life here, and you can live a life here, and you can live a life here, and you can live a life over here. And these things may even eventually contradict each other, but you'll never see the way that they contradict each other because you're living a very separate life here on this thing, a separate life over here on this thing, and a separate life over here on this thing. And if you don't fit into one of my echo chambers, you don't just be ignored, you have to be defeated. This is what is going on. Yes, sir. And it's not new. Jonah was living in an echo chamber of Jewish nationalism, and he had no room for God to love somebody who wasn't his own people. And yet God loves the world. And there should be no super conviction in a local church that, ex- that keeps somebody from hearing the gospel because we tack on something else to it that requires them to be in a relationship with us. I don't need my gay, liberal, New York cousin to be straight, conservative, southerner for me to have a relationship with him or for God to have mercy on him. I need to believe that God is merciful and compassionate and bring that to bear on the relationship. That's what the gospel will do. And and here's why that's good news. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 13. 13 verse 34. Because several hundred years later, God would send... Another prophet to another city. Unlike Jonah, this prophet had compassion for the city that he was called to. And unlike Nineveh, this city was filled with God's people. And unlike Nineveh, these people remained stubborn in their sin. I'm talking about Jesus. And I'm talking about Jerusalem instead of Jonah and Nineveh. Look what Jesus says in verses 34 and 35. Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing See, your house is abandoned to you. I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What a contrast between Jesus and Jonah and Nineveh and Jerusalem. Jonah grieved that a repentant city would be spared. But Jesus grieved that an unrepentant city would be judged. Jonah lamented the prospect of loss for his own people that could be brought about by the salvation of Ninevites. But Jesus lamented that even the surrendering of his own blood would not bring salvation to Jerusalem because of their stubborn, nationalistic unbelief. We bring good news because Jesus came and Jesus grieved until for an unrepentant city. But if so, we need to take this good news like Jesus into the city and pray and live in such a way that brings about repentance in the people that we know. And don't let anybody not fit into that circle. Let's let's pray. Let's pray. Let our band come on up and lead us in worship. We'll have a time of response. I'll. I'll Kevin and I'll stand up here uh, if you need prayer. Um, so, Lord, we, we thank you that, that you came to us. We who were effectively Ninevites, walking in our own ways, doing whatever we wanted, worshiping our own idols made by us, and you in your abounding love Your your unbelievable compassion and affection, slow to anger, quick to love. You sent Jesus, your son and your prophet, to bring the word to bear on our lives. You showed us his glory. You opened our eyes to your incredible love. And we have believed and repented and trust in you. Therefore, we need to live the same way in this world, abounding in love, slow to anger, um, and preaching that you are the same way, and doing so in life with people who don't agree. So help us be aware of our echo chambers. Help us be aware of the places where we're just where we are not not introducing ourselves into the lives of people who don't think like us and talk like us and and see the world like us. Help us to love people like that. Help us bring the truth of the gospel to bear in those conversations, in those relationships. Help us be patient because it takes a long time to... I mean, the gospel is quite shocking and it's earth shattering and it's life changing. And so it takes a lot for a person to get their mind around it. it. And it's remarkable when you do open their eyes. And so there's just a lot there. Help us be patient with these people. But Father, resist the urge that we have. Just push it away. The urge that we have just to be with people who that are easy to be around because they're just like us. Help us bring the gospel to bear on the lives of people who are not. And to take the, it is the, take the cost that comes with that. And there is a cost. Help us not to be like Jonah, but to be like Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.